Go to, go to the book of Acts. The book of Acts. You can even call it Luke part 2. Book, where are your Bibles at? Look at this. No condemnation. I don't judge. The Word does. I'm just messing. Hey, do you guys remember Warheads? You guys remember these things? This is amazing. I think it was like fourth grade. We had to do t like try to figure out how many could fit in your mouth at one time without without going like this. You know, like you know, you guys remember these things? This is amazing. I don't know if I can put it in my mouth right now though, because I got to speak. Kimberly, Kimberly gave me one. Come on, you there? Acts chapter two, verse forty. Acts chapter two, verse forty. Acts chapter two, verse forty. How many like movies? How many of you like the movie? All right. All right. Top 10 on my list. Be thinking about it. Write it down because we're going to watch a clip from the top 10 on my list tonight. A little clip. And so you be thinking, while we're reading the scripture, read the scripture with me, but be thinking, what would be on Gabriel's top 10 list? Be thinking about it. Don't shout out a name yet. Just be thinking about that. And uh, it might be a, just to give you a little hint. I show clips from these type of movies all the time. Acts 2, chapter 40. Acts 2, chapter 40. All right. If you got your Bible, look down at chapter 2, verse 40. If you don't have your Bible, look at your neighbor's Bible and read it off their lap. And if they don't got their Bible, then just act like you're reading your Bible. Just look down and act like you're reading it. Oh, my goodness. Acts chapter 2, verse 40. All right, you there with me? What happened to, uh, oh, there he is. All right, you with me? All right, here we go. <clears throat> and with many words, <clears throat> he testified and exhorted them. Now, this is Peter. He's preaching. Okay. Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly, say gladly. Gladly. Oh, no. Wow. That was amazing. Then, that was all in unison over there. <laughs> then those who gladly received his word were baptized. How many know it's important to get baptized in water? Yeah. All right. They were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls, say 3,000, 3, were added to them. So 3,000 people gave their life to Jesus. That's a good day. Amen? Amen. Amen. And they continued, say continued. continued, that word means to keep on going, okay, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, and so the, into, into the apostles' teaching and fellowship. Key word, fellowship. Highlight it, circle it, put a star next to it. Fellowship is a key word for tonight. They, they continued steadfastly in fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and everybody said amen because we love Moose's Tooth. And bear's tooth. So they, they continued steadfastly in fellowship and in breaking bread like cheese sticks. And in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together. Say together. And, all, and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord from, oh, in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, 
They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Key verse, the Lord added to their number. You didn't do it. He did it. That's a whole other message. That's a good scripture right there, huh? Acts 2, 40-47 is a picture into uh, 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 an era about 2,000 years ago. It's a picture into what it looked like to be a reasonable Christian. And we're in a series right now called The Reasonable Life. And what does it look like to live a reasonable life? And many people would read this scripture and say, they're crazy. They sold everything they had and they gave it away. And they paid for each other's stuff. That's, that's radical, man. But these guys didn't think it was radical at all. This wasn't extreme to them. Because these guys had encountered Jesus Christ of Nazareth. They walked with God in the flesh. And they encountered Him not only dying, but also rising again. And they saw Him ascend into heaven. And so to these guys, this was just reasonable. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 16. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 16. If, you, if you're going there, you can go there if you want. Write it down if you want. But I'm reading out a completely different translation, the message translation. So you, you probably don't have that translation, so it's going to look a little bit different than what you're reading. But it says this. Christ brought us together through His death on the cross. The cross got us to embrace. And that was the end of the hostility. The cross got us to embrace. How many are thankful for the cross? About three of you. Awesome. He's more thankful for... Wow. That's deep sauce, man. Would you bow your heads? Let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Amen? Heavenly Father, we love you. Jesus, we thank you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We thank you that you've welcomed and invited us. And we take this time to set our hearts and mind on you and on your word. We ask that your abundant life would continually fill us, that we would enjoy your presence and the presence of one another and fellowship and fun and God, that you would do a mighty thing in us tonight. We ask that you'd speak to us and help us to hear what you're saying and teach us how to live out what you're telling us to do. God, help it to be simple. Let it not be confusing tonight. But God, let your word be simple to our ears and our hearts. We thank you, God, that there is an anointing on your word. And God, we ask you to help us to receive that word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So you guys find out what that that movie was, Top Ten? Mighty Ducks? Not Mighty Ducks, man. You got that clip ready, bro? You know what? Let's, uh, let's start at four. Four minutes. Akuna Matata. Sorry, you guys didn't get it. I saw some people falling asleep in the back, so I just, I had to, we had to cut it off short, man. That's, that's really what happened. How many of you guys like that movie? We need to have a Lion King night. How many? That would be sick. So I, I was looking at the clips and which clip to pull from, and I, I caught the part right after, uh, right after Simba saw his dad die, and I just couldn't bring that back. 
like last week. That was horrible. <laughs> Lion King in five seconds. But what happened, what happened with, with Simba is Simba goes, Simba, his dad dies, right? His dad dies, which is the sad part of the movie, tearjerker, the whole deal. Grabs you, uh, maybe not all of you. Uh, hard-hearted people, <clears throat> but at least it grabbed me, okay, and uh, his, 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 his dad dies, and then his uncle comes to him, what's his uncle's name? Scar. Why is he Scar? He's a jerk. He's a jerk, and he's got a scar on his eye. And scar comes to him, and he says, what did you do? Simba gets all Guilty, feels guilty, feels kind of like Adam and Eve, right? <laughs> he feels real guilty, and he thinks it's his fault. And he gets all worried that if people find out that they're going to kill him and make him an outcast. And so Rafiki says, you're right, so you should run. Did I say Rafiki? I'm sorry. Scar, Rafiki, Scar tells him to run as fast as you can away and never come back. Right? Never come back. And so little Simba runs. And the hyenas chase him out of his own kingdom. Pride Land? Some people know this movie better than me. Let's start a Lion King club in GM or something. And so he runs, he runs, and he runs, and he runs. He's running because he is, in a lot of ways, just afraid of facing what just happened, and he's also running because he doesn't want anybody to know what he had just done, and he figures it'd be better for himself and for everybody else if nobody knows what he did. The fear, the fear of reality caused him to run. Let me say that again. The fear of reality caused him to run from where he really belonged. The fear of facing reality caused him to run. The fear of facing what was truly happening caused him to run. And then he runs into our favorite, Timon and Pumbaa. Timon's a little rat. No, he's a little rat. I was very intentional about my word usage there. Don't correct me. Thank you. And Pumbaa is the pig. A word hog. The pig. So a rat and a pig come along, which culture has established them as the warthog and the meerkat. No, they're rats and pigs, okay? Just what they are, just face it. So the rat and pig come to Timon, or sorry, come to Simba, and they say, Simba, your philosophy is all jacked up, man. Because from, from Simba's eyes, he was never taught that you put the past behind you. Or you. And also, he was never taught that if the world treats you bad, what do you do? You treat the world bad back at him. When everybody turns on you, you turn your back on them. Right? And that was Timon, his motto. What's a motto? <laughs> Thank you. Forgive and forget. No. And so there was this motto that Timon and Pumbaa taught. And this motto was, Akuna Matata. No worries. About half of you in here tonight think, man, Gabriel, 
I love that movie. I love that philosophy. I live by that philosophy every day. It's my theme song. The other half of you are like, man, I never even watched that movie. You're weird. And then there's a half of you also that think, man, there's like three halves. That's crazy, huh? Half of you think, Gabriel, I know what you're going to say tonight. Akuna Matata, we're just going to put our, our things in the past and just forgive, right? That's kind of what we were thinking. But I, I've come tonight to destroy Timon and Pumbaa's philosophy. Yeah. And stop, stop on that rat and that pig. And a step rat and that pig and establish the right philosophy. The wrong philosophy is Akuna Matata. Akuna Matata is no worries. It means you don't, you don't face the reality. It means you run away from what's really happening. It means that in relationships, what did Timon say? He asked him if he was going to tell him what, what was going on. And Simba said, I don't want to tell you. He says, good, I didn't want to know. And that was, the, that was the, the, the extent of Timon and Puma's relationship. And if we could have gone on the clip, they ate worms and sang other songs. Because that's what rats, rats and pigs do. That. But there is this philosophy that, honestly, a lot of us have held on to and bought into. And it's the philosophy of Akuna Matata. It's a philosophy of a surface-level relationship. Tonight I want to redefine relationships. Because in our culture, even in our Christian culture, there has been what I call, or what people call, aculturization, where one culture influences another culture. And biblically, the culture that should be influencing another culture is that God's kingdom culture, or the church, should be influencing the world's culture, right? But the problem is, is that in our world, they have created something that we kind of like. And one of those philosophies is just surface relationships is what is right. Relationships that say, no worries, we don't really want to know what's really going on with you and with on your life. We just want to live by this Akuna Matata philosophy. And as Christians, the sad thing is, is we've kind of bought into that. We've kind of bought into this Akuna Matata mentality that everything's okay. And don't worry about anything. Put the past behind you. Don't face what's really going on. And you put on a mask. How many like masks? I have a mask for you tonight. I have a mask because I want to I give you a picture of what we look like and, and forgive me, this is not a half male, half female. This is just a male. That would be weird. So some of us, like the females, <clears throat> don't look like this. But some of us males try to look like this. This is... My very own friend, Zach Efron. He's kind of fat. I tried trimming up his side like this part, but it just wouldn't work. It's a round plate, so just. But we wake up in the morning, 
or even we go to bed at night, but I'll say this, we wake up in the morning, and, and for some of you, you might say, I totally disagree, but, but I'm going to get into some more details about what it really looks like. But, but we wake up in the morning, and all of us put on our makeup. We put on our makeup. Now, now girls actually, and some guys, <clears throat> put on their makeup. But we, we put on our makeup, and we put on this mask, and we've heard lots of talk about masks, but it's not even just a mask about faking who you are. I'm talking about a mask that covers up and destroys and keeps you back from real and genuine relationship. I'm talking about wearing a mask that says everything's okay, and when somebody asks you how you're doing, you just say, Akuna Matata, I'm good. You put on a mask that says, I'm all right. And the reason why you do this is because you don't want to face where you really are and you don't want anybody else to face where you really are. And all along, you're forsaking that which you were made for, which is real and genuine relationships. And the sad thing is, is that in the, in the church, in Christianity, especially in our youth culture, there is this thing that has been accepted, this mentality that has been accepted, this idea and this philosophy that has been accepted to be fake to put, on, to put on a facade, to put on a mask, to put on something so you can be accepted and included by somebody. Mainly by your friends. Many of us in here are so fake, we go to bed at night and we get frustrated with ourselves and who we really are. Many of us just run to go somewhere else, to find somewhere else where we can be accepted. And maybe you don't want to have to put on a mask anymore. You don't want to look like Zac Efron. This is really isn't Zac Efron. This is just Zac Efron's hair, okay? I cut out his hair, and I put it on his head. It's pretty cool, actually, isn't it? I did pretty good. Somebody just tell me I did good. Somebody. I mean, I even, I look at that. I made it, like, curve around. Like, he's trying to chew on his hair right there. Look at that. Yeah, that really disturbs me. Oh, gosh. Is this like a creeper guy look? Or? Oh, the chin? Well, I tried giving him the, I was going to give him the, uh, the Hitler look, but, but they told me I couldn't do that. So. so I have a question for you. Tonight, tonight in your life, are you singing a song called the Kuna Matata? Or are you singing... Alethes koinonia. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Alethes koinonia is Greek, and it, what it means is it means genuine fellowship. And you can either sing a song in your life that sings a kunamatata, and you can hide behind your mask, you can hide behind being fake, and some of you go, I'm not really fake, but... The truth is you are because you live at such a surface level in your relationship and everything is just at the surface. Everything is about Xbox and cars, Barbies and makeup. Maybe you don't all like Barbies, but still the idea, right? But that, the sad thing is that's the extent of our relationships. Is this surface level, fake, not transparent, and we all say we love each other, but the truth is we don't even know each other. But Alethes koinonia is something different. It's the thing that Jesus sings. It's the song that Jesus sings. It's the song that, 
that talks about how we want to be real and genuine with one another. We want to take off our masks and be honest and true with one another and not run from each other and not run from real relationship. Gabriel, I hang out with people all the time. You, may, you might hang out with them, but are you singing a kuna matata? Or are you seeing a genuine relationship? Are you so afraid of being real with somebody because you're afraid of what they might do? And, 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 and to some of you, to all of you maybe, I don't, I don't blame you because the truth is, the truth is that there's a lot of jerks in this world. Excuse my language if that's offensive, but the truth is there just are. And when you've told somebody in the past, they're ultra-critical. And maybe even people in this ministry, you've told them about who you are in the past and they've criticized you. Or maybe you've sat down with a leader in our ministry and they've just criticized you. And you don't want to tell anybody anymore, I told Scar and he told me to run. I told Timon and Pumbaa. And they told me, oh, just don't worry about it. Don't even talk about it, man. It's behind you. I don't even want to know where you really are. You know what is so crazy? Is that there is a world, there is a culture at your school, at Service High, at maybe not too many to go to Service, at East, at Bartlett, I'm just going to name some schools, at West, at South, at Heritage, UAA, there is a culture of this man everywhere you go, of a fake person, of somebody that is just fake and unreal, not authentic. And the truth is that every person that is so fake is also at the same time, whether they like it or not, are desperate for genuine fellowship. They're desperate for genuine relationship. And as Christians, we're so fake and we're so religious and we put on these fronts and we think that that's the right thing to do. To walk up in Starbucks, set my Bible on the table, walk up in Colades and set my Bible on the table because if I read my Bible on the table in Colades, somebody might see me and get saved. Do you really think that's going to happen? Somebody's going to impact it if they see me read my Bible. I've talked to people before, and, and if you're offended tonight, then be offended. I've talked to people before, and I say, hey, what are you doing on Claudius? Oh, I'm just coming to read my Bible and spend time with Jesus. Really? Why? That's kind of weird. I don't do that. Well, you know, Gabriel, the truth is that, you know, when I read my Bible, when I pray in public, people are going to get saved. Do you really believe that? Because I think you're just religious. And you don't even have a relationship with Jesus. You're just a fake. Now, I'm not saying that if you do read your Bible in Claudius that you're a fake. But I'm asking you to challenge and ask your motives. Why do you go to Claudius and read your Bible? Why don't you go to Claudius and talk to somebody and be real for a moment? Why don't you be a real human being for a moment and be real with people and don't put on this facade of religiosity because it's killing everybody that we face. Or, I've heard people say, Gary, wherever I go, I say, got my Bible, put it on the counter. It changes the atmosphere. Yeah, it does. It creates a religious atmosphere. You're right, it does. That's weird. I don't want to be weird Christians. I don't want to create a youth ministry that is weird and religious. 
And let me hear, let me say this one more time. I'm not saying that if I see you at Colossians with your Bible, that I'm going to persecute you and condemn you. Don't hear that. But I'm challenging your lifestyle right now. Are you just being fake and you just bring your Bible in there because you want people to see you reading your Bible, but your Bible at home sits on its shelf? Some of you are like, I don't even read my Bible. Well, maybe you should start at Colossians reading your Bible. Alethes koinonia. Jesus paid for this. Jesus didn't pay for this. Now, yes, he did pay for Zac Efron's sinful life. Whether he's saved or not, I don't know. But we'll just say he's a sinful man. Hey, all of us are, all right? Don't be judgmental. I can right now. Jesus paid for this. What did Jesus, well, Jesus just paid for my sin. No, Jesus paid much more than just for your sin. He also paid for genuine relationship with one another. Because there is something that kills relationships. And if there's anything that kills relationships, it's this facades that we put on. It's these fake masks that we put on. It's this religious attitude that we put on. And we're never real with each other. But Jesus didn't pay for a surface level relationship. Jesus didn't pay for a service level relationship with you, and he didn't pay for a service level relationship so you could have with somebody else. You know, the Lord spoke to me one time. He said, Gabriel, the devil's okay. The devil's okay with you just being an acquaintance with me. He's okay if me and you are just, we just bump into each other at church. But what he's not okay with is when you have a companionship with Jesus. When you have a real, authentic relationship with God. And so it is in the church. The devil gets scared. When you start creating relationships where you're real and you really love each other and you're not fake and you're not, you don't put on these show and you don't put on this grin and act like you're all good and right in the hood. I'm telling you that Jesus can and lived a life. He lived a life so that we could live the life. He became a man and became a human being so we could be human beings like we were intended to be. He bore our sin. He bore the thing that caused us to hate one another and to be fake with each other. He, he, he carried the thing that caused us to have enmity between one another. He carried the thing that caused us to condemn one another and to judge and to criticize one another. He carried, a, he carried shame and guilt that Adam and Eve had since the beginning and that most still carry today, even as Christians. He hung on a cross naked for you and for me. He was buried and he rose again. And he didn't just do that. So you could have a fake relationship with each other. He did it so those walls that you've kept up for so long with each other and with people in the world that you've kept up, he did it so that those could be destroyed and you could have real fellowship and relationship, that which the world cannot have.
They may love to go to parties and drink and have sex, but they lay in bed at night and they feel like they are nothing and they're worthless. But I have something that is of, of great value. It's relationship. It's when I sit down with my friend Quentin and he tells me where he's at in his life and I tell him where I'm at. And it's where we love each other in spite of our weaknesses, in spite of our differences, in spite of what we're struggling. It's when I sit down with Matt Stinson and he tells me where he is and I tell him where I am. And we love each other in spite of where we are. And we share genuine relationship. We can laugh together and we can cry together and we can pray together and we can have fellowship with each other and with Jesus. We've traded that in. It's so important to understand what Jesus paid for. Christ brought us together through His death on the cross. The cross got us to embrace each other. And that was the end of the enmity. Jesus died on a cross so that you could embrace and love one another. That you could experience real relationship and be genuine and honest with one another. John 15, 15 says this, You are my friends when you do the things that I command you. I'm no longer calling you servants because servants don't understand what their master is thinking and planning. This is what Jesus is saying. He says, I don't call you servants, I call you friends. Because servants, they don't know what their master is doing. Jesus says, no, I've named you friends because I've let you in on everything. I've let you in on everything. I've let you in on everything. You know what real relationships are? Do you know what a real friendship is? You don't have friends until you've let them in on everything. Jesus redefines what friendship is. It's not a kuna matata. It's not no worries. It's a life that says, this is where I'm at. And I want to know where you're at. And let's love each other and carry each other's burdens and be real with one another. Jesus defines relationships for us by saying, I let you in on everything. It's transparency. You know, what, you know what the key to intimacy in relationships is? Whether it's marriage or whether it's your best friend, the key to intimacy is real and genuine and authentic transparency. That which will cause you to be intimate and experience what you were made for is to be transparent and to expose your weaknesses. You could call it get naked. Now, Some of you might use that as an excuse to get naked, but I'm not saying that. I'm talking about real relationships. I'm talking about you being honest with one another. I'm not talking about men. I'm not talking about you finding an excuse to be intimate with a woman, you pervert. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about you finding an excuse to be intimate with your friend, your brother in the Lord. Not to be a pervert, but to be a friend. You don't need to be sharing your weaknesses and things with the other sex. I'm going to say that again. You don't need to be sharing your weaknesses and your problems and your frailties with the other sex. If you really want to, well, get married. It's going to say something worse than that, but thank you. You've got to go through me, especially if you're a guy and the girls in this youth ministry. Talking about being transparent. I'm talking about sitting down with your sister 
and saying, I've known you for this long, but this is where I really am. And I'm kind of afraid to tell you this, because if I tell you this, I'm afraid that you might not like me anymore. Because they call me a leader here at GM, you know. And if they know where I'm really at, then maybe I won't be a leader anymore. It's a fear of facing reality. It's transparent. Ephesians 4.25 says, What this adds up to then is this. No more lies. No more pretense. Tell your neighbor the truth. In Christ's body, we are all connected to each other. When you lie to others, you end up lying to yourself. You're lying to yourself. Do you know what Jesus hated the most when he was here? That's a strong word, hated. Do you know what he hated the most when he was here? We, I can say this and I can qualify this statement by Jesus using the word woe or the word you snakes. I can qualify this statement because Jesus woed people or he, he condemned people, if you will. He hated more than anything religiosity. He hated more than anything a hypocritical life. He hated more than anything people that were fake and lied to each other. I'm not trying to beat you down tonight. I'm trying to encourage you that if you're living this life, you are forsaking and you are trading in the life that Jesus paid for you. I'm telling you that you're living a life a life that, that anybody can live. A life of being a hypocrite, that anybody can do that. Anybody can act and put on a show. You know, the truth is that tonight you'll go hang out with your friends. Tomorrow night you'll go hang out with your friends. Patrick, stop goofing around. Tonight you'll go hang out with your friends. Maybe tomorrow night you'll go hang out with your friends. Maybe a week from now you'll be at a party somewhere or you'll be hanging out with some kids. Some of you are peeps. And everything is just so surface level. Everything is just so... fluff, man. Just a bunch of fake facade poop. Do you guys know what I mean? Is anybody else sick of a fake friend? Some of you are kind of scared because friends sitting next to you. <laughs> Don't be fake. Don't lie to each other. Don't be like Timon and Pumbaa. Amen. Don't be religious. I'm going to challenge our leaders real quick. Just any person who considers himself a leader. If anyone falls into sin, forgivingly Restore him. Saving your critical comments for yourself. You might be needing forgiveness before the day's out. Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share their burdens and so complete Christ's law. If you think you're too good for that, you're badly deceived. Save your critical comments for yourself. Man. 
As Christians, we ought to live in such a way that when somebody falls, we embrace them all the more. This culture in GM that we have ought to be that when somebody falls or is struggling in sin, they don't run from GM. They, they, they run to GM and they run to us because they're embraced by us. Because they have an understanding that Jesus Christ paid for my sin yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And now if you think that gives you an excuse to sin, then I beg a differ that you even understand what Christ's death did for you. We ought to stop being so critical with one another and religious with one another. That's what religiosity is. That when somebody falls, you kick them and you beat them again. <laughs> Don't be religious. Don't be so critical. Don't be so fake. Don't lie to each other. Now, Paul says that so many times in Colossians 3. Don't lie to each other. Put off that old man that's being corrupted. Stop lying to I, I always wonder, what does he mean by that? People are really running around lying. What are you going to lie about? You lie about yourself. You lie about who you are. Man, stop lying to each other. Your brothers and sisters, be real. There ought to be a culture shift. That we don't lie to each other. Even if they're the, the lead pastor. Even if you're talking to me. You know what I find it interesting? Is every time I talk to somebody, I ask them how they're doing. And the first thing they do is they put up their face. Good. So you know what I've learned in six years of doing youth ministry? I ask them again. How are you doing? Then it comes down. And either start crying, or they're frustrated, or they're angry, or they're bitter. Many of us leading know what this is like. I just learn to ask it twice. Sometimes I say, how are you doing? How are you doing? Just to get ahead of the game. How are you feeling? How are you feeling? Ah. You know? Because we're so quick to put on the face. Can I tell you something? I will not judge and condemn and criticize you if you tell me where you really are. I will only love and embrace you. And by golly, so are our leaders. And if they don't, come tell me. Because I'll run them out of here. Because I know they won't. There's this fear. There's this fear that they'll do what Timon did to Simba. I don't really want to know. I don't want to know where you are. Man, if, that, if that's what you've done, you've forsaken real relationship. You've forsaken what Jesus paid for. You've forsaken what Christ has bought for you. This isn't just, I'm not trying to inspire you to be a good kid. I'm trying to encourage you to live a life that you were made for. I'm trying to encourage you to live a life that Jesus paid for you. <clears throat> the Aletheus Koinonia relationship is real. 1 Thessalonians 2.8, we know the scripture, some of us, probably one of our favorite scriptures. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Thessalonians. He says this, Because I'm so affectionately desirous of you. Those are big words. Affectionately desirous of you. I'm intentional in my pursuit. I'm unconditional in my pursuit. And I'm relentless in my pursuit of you. Because my affections, my feelings, my emotions are so grand for you. They're so big for you. 
I didn't just share with you the gospel, but my very own self. This is Paul, the Apostle Paul. This is he who built what we know as the church today. This is he who went out and established churches. And because of his ministry, ministering to the Gentiles, we have a church today in Alaska, Anchorage, Alaska. And you know what he said? He wasn't religious. If anybody wasn't religious, it was this guy. Because he had experienced religion. This guy was all relational. He loved each other. He cried with people. <clears throat> he knew how to weep. He knew how to experience sorrow with somebody else. He knew how to experience where people really were. And when he showed up to a church service, he wasn't fake. He was real. He told people where he really was. And he shared his own life with you. He took off his shirt and he showed them the scars that he had on his shirt, on his body. When he was whipped and he was flogged because of Jesus. He taught them about his struggles and his questions and his weaknesses that he suffered in. He told them where he was. And though he was the apostle that everybody knew of, the great man Paul, he still experienced real relationship with these people because he was really real and transparent. Stop being fake. Stop being fake. Let's be real. Let's be authentic. Let's be genuine. Genuine fellowship. That's, that's what Christians are made for. What are you guys doing? Oh, we're having a big, a big party. What are you guys doing at the party? Oh, you know, just chilling, dog. <laughs> chilling what? Just chilling, you know. So everybody shows up and starts talking about random stuff. I'm not saying that stuff's bad. I'm not saying you can't talk about cars and things and whatever. I'm not saying you can't talk. I'm saying this. Let that not be the consistency of your conversation. Of just this surface level stuff. Amen? Where we really love each other. And we really carry each other's burdens. This is what a small group should look like. A small group should not look like a bunch of people coming together to hear some cool thing, to hear a good message or a word of wisdom. A small groups should look like a bunch of people getting together and sharing their hearts with each other, living life together. Because you know what? Tonight, 40 years from now, you probably won't remember a thing I said. But tonight I might inspire you to share life with somebody that you will know 60 years from now. And that, to me, is worth it. Somebody you can live together, live life with, not live together, you pervert. <clears throat> I know who I'm living with. <laughs> I just talked, I was just hanging out, I saw the movie Book of Eli last night. Anybody seen that movie? Yeah. Dude, that's such a good movie. I was hanging out with Christian Ray Walt, the guy who's playing drums back here, he's our worship pastor, and he was watching it with me, and I'd seen it already, and he hadn't seen it, so I was trying not to tell him what was going on. And so he sat like three seats away, you know, because I can't help myself. I'm like, oh, this part's the best. Watch this. He cuts off his head, you know. <laughs> That's horrible. I, I don't watch those kind of movies. <laughs> Transparency, thank you. I'm just being real. Some of you are like, oh, that devil. <laughs> just taking notes about how horrible I am. He said jerk twice. Oh, three times. Hanging out with Christian, and 
I got to meet the, the, my fifth friend, Gabe. I found another Gabe, bro. I found another Gabe. Dude, they're everywhere now. I'm kind of like, I thought I had a unique name, you know? I know more Gabes than I do any other name. It's crazy. I, I met another guy named Gabriel and, a, and another guy named Scott, and we were talking, and <laughs> his name was Scott. <laughs> What's so funny? I'm thinking about naming my kid Scott. Just kidding. So, so we're talking, and, 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 and Christian uh, said that he had known this guy for, and he said, what, 20 years? Because we've been playing together for 20 years. And I'm like, man, I'm like, when? He goes, oh, well, we started back in worship band together and, and when I was 17 years old. Chris is 37. <clears throat> when, I was, <laughs> when I was 17 years old, I'm good at math, I'm good at math. And he said, we built these relationships and we got, we're still friends. And, and, and I knew what I was going to speak on tonight, but I just, I just, it just gri- gripped me. It just gripped me. I thought, man, I hope, that, I hope that that happens in our youth ministry. I hope that that happens in our, in our girls' small groups. I hope that happens in our boys' and our men's small groups. I hope that that happens here. I hope that you guys have shared life together in such a way that is so real and genuine that you hate being away from each other. Gabriel, why, or, 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 or people come to me and they're, they're telling me where they're, where they're going to go to college. And I, I look forward to the day when a senior comes up to me and I ask them, so where are you going to college? And they say, I don't want to go to college outside of Alaska. Why is that? Because I have so many awesome friends here. I can't, I can't even see me leaving them. It doesn't make sense. Maybe we could all go together. No, don't do that. Stay here. <laughs> But I couldn't, I couldn't see. I couldn't, I couldn't even understand what that would look like. I have so much good friends. I look forward to that day when there's so many knit, real relationships. Where that kid over there knows that kid over there. You don't sit in the same spot every week. You build friendships outside of this ministry, outside of this event that we call GM Ignite. Can we be real? Let's redefine relationships. It's not a kuna matata. It's a lethe's koinonia. Genuine fellowship. Amen? Amen. Let's, let's change and shift and transform the culture of Christianity for what ought to be. For what ought to be. That's the reasonable Christian life. Acts 2, 40-47. Would you stand with me? Stand up. Come on, stand up.